When you're a kid, after an intro like that, you know, when you're a kid, you always want to be Superman. I'll put this down so you can, so the wind isn't blowing. Sorry, guys. Uh, but the idea was this, that when you're a kid, you always want to be Superman. And I did. I would put, sometimes you put a, you know, you'd watch a Superman movie or something and you go, or a cartoon or read a comic book and you go, oh man, if I could just fly, then I'd be a real hero. Well, what if you and I wanted to be a hero like Samuel. Today you're going to meet a real hero in the Bible, no beach towel, no fan, but somebody who is devoted to God, loved him with all his heart, his whole life long. And the Bible says he's a hero. Well, you and I, the Lord uh, is, praises him, uh, people praise him, and he's recited as an example, he's recorded as an example in the Bible, so we can be like him. And today, I want to introduce you. If you don't know anything about Samuel, you're going to hear a little bit about him today. He was a righteous hero at a time when nobody else was really interested in being righteous. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that today you'll speak, move me out of the way, and you'll teach us some things about Samuel, a person who was dedicated to you his whole life long. And Lord, I pray that um, you'll speak and move me out of the way so we might become like him. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen. I've got to turn my fan down here or else, uh, you know, it might blow away. Anyway, when the judges ruled in Israel, there was much apostasy. This is point one on your outline. Uh, Samuel lived, he was the last judge in Israel's history. During the time after they got into the promised land for the first few hundred years, before they ever had a king, uh, there, God would raise up a deliverer, a freedom fighter, someone who would demonstrate God's power and remind the people that he was their king and they were his people. Samuel was the last in the, in the line of all those judges, and he was a tremendous hero. But the reason it was so necessary is because there was much apostasy. And it's like, today's word is apostasy, okay? Uh, that's a word we don't use much. It even has a funny spelling with that S-Y at the end. But apostasy means desertion of one's religious beliefs and convictions. It basically means this. Yeah, I know what the Bible says. I don't care. Yeah, I know it's not the right thing to do. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, I need this. This is who I am. And sorry, I'm doing it. Well, what would happen if a whole nation of people did that? The nation of Israel did. In fact, Judges 17.6 reminds us that in those days... Before they had a king in Israel, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Yeah, I know that's not right. I don't care. Apostasy. Now, if you're thinking, wow, this has some relevance to our day, I think so too. Tell you how bad it was. The corruption wasn't just in rank and file people. It was even in the priesthood at the highest level. God had commanded the Israelites after they came out of Egypt to honor him and build him a portable temple, a tabernacle they carried with them and they set up every time they made camp. When they got to the promised land, they still used the tabernacle as the official place to offer sacrifices. And there was an old priest by the name of Eli. He was the chief priest and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served with him at the tabernacle. This will tell you how corrupt things were. Now the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, they were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. 
for their duties or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. They would offer animal sacrifices, and there were specific instructions how the sacrifices were to be prepared and handled and boiled in some cases and other things. And they'd send over a servant with a three-pronged fork and say, give me the meat. Sometimes he'd ask for it raw, which was strictly forbidden. And the servant would demand, give it to me now. If the person wouldn't give it to him, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. And so the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. In those days, the way you atoned for your sin was to offer an animal sacrifice. And with the priest stealing the sacrifice, people gave up on it. And they were no longer coming to repent of their sins because it would just get stolen anyway. And so they were slamming the door of heaven shut in people's faces through their corruption. And the Lord was very angry. Tell you how bad it was also all the leaders in Israel, the people whom God had uh, commanded to read his word and understand what Moses had taken time to write down. He gave Moses lots of instruction on how they were to live. He said, if you obey these commandments, then uh, the commandments that I give you, then I'll be your God and you'll be my people. I'll protect you. And from all the other nations that want to harm you. And if there's ever a problem and you're losing in battle, you can be pretty sure you haven't been following the commandments. Go and check that out. Get yourself right with me, and then we'll be back on track again. Well, in those days, since everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, nobody was following God's rules, they'd had a battle. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. And about 4,000 Israelites had been killed in a battle. And the leaders, the elders of Israel, asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And instead of going back to Moses' instructions, which clearly told them we must have sinned against God, they said, well, we're not doing it the right way. Then they said, I know. Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh, the place where that tabernacle was. And if we carry it, carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. They knew enough of the stories to know that, of their past, to know that God had commanded them not only to build a tabernacle, this portable temple, but to set a special room, a holy place, a holy of holies, inside of that tabernacle. And inside the holy of holies, the key piece of furniture in there was a sacred chest, or ark, that's what ark means, it just means box, or chest. It was a sacred chest where they would keep a copy of the Ten Commandments. When Moses went up on the mountain to receive God's commandments, God gave him a hard copy. Well, a, a very hard copy, it was written on stone, okay? And they were to carry these things around, this copy of the covenant, in this chest with them wherever they went, to remind them that they were God's people. He was their God, they were his people. When they were at Mount Sinai and God had given them the commandments, the people said, we will obey. You're God, we're your people. And now a few hundred years had passed and that was no longer the deal. In fact, they were so far out of it that they thought now that the box that contained the commandments had magical powers. See, when Moses had gone in to talk to God, he would talk to him face to face and he would meet with him. And he would say, well, Lord, where do I talk to you? And the Lord said, well, when you're talking to me in the holy, most holy place, there was a lid on the top of the box, on the top of the Ark of the Covenant, where God had instructed them to make two angels that faced each other where their wings almost touched in the center of the chest, in the center of the lid. He said, when you talk to me, I'm going to be over that covenant because the covenant reminds everybody this is, these are the terms of our relationships. When you talk to me, face the chest and talk right there where the wings touch. And 
that's where you should face in the room because you couldn't see God. Well, by the time this had all gone around, this had morphed into some sort of superstitious belief that God was stuck on the lid of the box. And so if you wanted God to go to battle with you, we'll just carry his chair because he can't get off. If you drag the box into battle, God will have to go into battle. And then we'll win. Well, they carried it into battle and it was a great slaughter. And Hophni and Phinehas, these corrupt priests, they were killed along with thousands of others. As a life application for you and me and all of this, it's imperative that we know God's word because God's word is truth. The people had turned away from God's word. They were doing what was ever right in their own eyes. They had apostatized. They'd given up on the things that they knew wrong. And it had degen- they had degenerated down to a bunch of superstitious, selfish, greedy people. If you think those kind of things couldn't happen today, oh, they still happen. I remember when I was in college, a friend of mine, before we take an exam or have some important circumstance come in our life, he'd go, quick, we've got to say the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, why? Well, I didn't study, but if you say the Lord's Prayer, then it'll bring you good luck. Even if you don't study, even if you don't study, just say it twice. I mean, he believed that if you said the words and you repeated them, then somehow God owed you a favor. It was like a password to the vault of blessing or something. And the more you said it, I don't know why he likes it, but you just keep doing this and it'll work. Because he didn't know God and didn't want to know God. If you and I want to know God, God wants to reveal himself. Listen to what uh, the scripture says. Jesus, when he told his disciples, praying for his disciples shortly before he was crucified, he's praying to his heavenly father and he says, I've given them your word And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. He's asking his heavenly father this, and he says, I'm not asking you to take the disciples out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy. Now listen to this. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus left us, left his disciples in the world to be a light to a dark world. And he said, Father, protect them from the devil because the devil's real. And then make them holy by your word, which is truth. The reason Moses had taken the time to write down everything the Lord told him is so that future generations could look back and go, okay, we know how to live. We know how to live. And what God wants us to do, if you and I are going to stay away from apostasy and other things and falling away from the things that we need to believe, we need to commit ourselves to knowing God's word because his word is truth. But people had slid away from that. And they didn't care. They didn't have the whole Bible we have, but they had a lot, they had enough to know that was utterly ridiculous to try to drag God into the fight just because you had the box that had the commandments in it. I mean, that's kind of the plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hmm. Well, point two, at this time when there's all this apostasy and everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. There's at least one person who cried out to the Lord. Her name was Hannah, Samuel's mom. So Samuel, Israel's last judge, a person to bring them back to God here, was born in answer to a desperate prayer, to the desperate prayers of his mother, Hannah. There was one person crying out to God, saying, God, I need you, and I want to do what's right in your eyes. So Hannah was in deep anguish. She was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. The setting is this. She's outside that tabernacle praying. 
Her family has come up. They come up once a year to offer sacrifices. And her husband, Elkanah, has brought her. Elkanah has another wife, Panina, who has multiple children. And every year on the way up, Panina makes fun of Hannah another year that she's childless. Because in that culture, if you had many children, you were blessed by God. And that was seen as, and when you were childless, it was seen that God didn't love you. And Panina would just make fun of her all the time. And so Hannah was in deep anguish. It was supposed to be a time when they were celebrating God's goodness. And Hannah couldn't do it because she had no children. So she was in deep anguish, crying bitterly. She prayed to the Lord and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look on my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you and he will be yours his entire lifetime. Well, in due time, God answered her prayer and she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel for she said, I asked the Lord of him. And when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. She brought him to Eli, that old priest, and she said, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he's granted my request. This little boy is now two, two and a half years old. So now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his entire life. She said, Lord, I want a child, and if you grant me this child, then I'll give him back to you. And... The Bible says that every year when they'd come back for that annual sacrifice again, she would have prepared a little priestly tunic so he could serve along with the other priests. It was just his size. And every year she'd check on her little Samuel. And his whole life he was dedicated to the Lord. Grew up at the tabernacle, serving God every day of his life. Well, there's a life application here. God is always more ready to listen than we are to pray. If you and I are going to avoid apostasy, we need to pray. We need to seek God, not just our own way. Listen to what uh, Jesus said about this. God is all, uh, he said this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the doors will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And she was convinced, Hannah was convinced of this because she even named the boy Samuel. From two Hebrew words, shama, the Sam part of it, which means to listen, and El, which means God. God listens. God hears. So Samuel, his name literally meant God hears me. Because God had heard her prayer, and she said, because God heard my prayer, I'm dedicating him to the Lord. So his whole life, whenever he was introduced, here is little God hears. Your name means God hears? Yeah. Uh, who is this boy? Well, it's the wildest story. His mother was in deep anguish and praying here. She prayed for a child. God heard her prayer, and she dedicated to him his whole life, and that's why he's wearing that little priestly robe. And so you know something special is going to happen with this young man because he's living a day of apostasy where nobody gives a hang about what God wants. They don't want to listen to God. They don't ask God for anything. They think that they can rub the lamp three times and a genie will appear or carry the box 20 feet, and then God has to give them their wish. Not Samuel. Because his mother, before he was even born, prayed. Can I tell you today, if you've been far away from God and you've been wrestling with all kinds of things in your life and you don't know what to do, 
Ask God for wisdom. God is always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And when people, when I read that story, what Jesus said about parents, I mean, as a parent, when my kids ask me for something, and they go, well, I asked for something, and God didn't give me exactly what I wanted. Look, I'm a parent. I don't always give my kids exactly what they want just because they ask. Can we all agree that would be a bad idea? Dad, I'm six. I want a Ferrari. Okay, you're not going to get it, all right? That doesn't mean God's obliged to give us whatever we want. Don't misunderstand that. But we are supposed to. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, hey, ask your father when you pray. Talk to God like he's your father because he is. Father, I need help. I need to know what to do and keep praying. The question is, does any, do we even believe in him anymore? Most of the people in Samuel's day didn't. Thank God Hannah did. Well, the story goes on. So you got little Samuel wearing his little tunic, serving alongside Eli and his corrupt sons, Hophni and Phinehas. This is all before that battle had happened where they were killed. Well, this brings us to point three. Samuel became a righteous hero because not only did he pray and his mom pray, but they also listened. They also listened. When God spoke. What you need to know is in 1 Samuel 3 where I'm about to read the opening verses say that words from the Lord were rare in those days. Visions and dreams didn't come and the Lord's voice wasn't heard much. The reason why is because nobody was listening. I mean, who's going to listen? Hophni and Phinehas? Not only did they steal some of the offerings, elsewhere we learn that they would go out and chase after the girls who were at the tabernacle to serve and other things. they chase after them and have immoral relations with them. I mean, these were corrupt guys. And so they weren't listening to what God said. But Samuel was different, and it became very obvious early on. One night, when he had gone to sleep there at the tabernacle, sleeping in the next room next to Eli there, suddenly the Lord called out. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel's just a little boy. Samuel. That was pretty good, actually. That sounded good. Okay. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? And he got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So Samuel did. Well, then the Lord called out again. Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, son. Eli said, go back to bed. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. He's willing to listen. This is the first time God has spoken to him. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say these words. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Please underline that. Now, can you imagine this? If everyone at center point, if everyone at the sound of my voice... Every day when we opened our Bibles to read a devotion, to spend some time in devotional reading or things, if before we opened the Bible, we said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I mean, what if that's the way we approach the Bible? I believe you're going to speak, Lord. I'm going to pray and I'm going to listen. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Would you say that with me, please? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 
I mean, what if we really prayed that way? I mean, that was the best advice Samuel could have ever received. So he went and lay down again. And the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord spoke to him. Now, if you want to know what the first message consisted of, it consisted of a judgment that was about to fall on Eli because he had not, and his sons because he had not disciplined them and had not corrected their wicked behavior when they were slamming the door of heaven shut in people's faces. It says the next morning when Samuel got up, he was busy about the work of the temple, and Eli says, come here, tell me what the Lord said. And Samuel wished anybody else had that message except for him, but he was obedient and said what the Lord said. In fact, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Why? Because he listened. I hope you understand that here at Centerpoint, the reason we put all the scripture references in here, why every time I get up to speak before you on a Sunday morning, we are always praying, Lord, I want you to speak and move me out of the way. Because if we're relying on John Schmidt's wisdom, we're not going very far. <laughs> okay? I know a few things about a very few things. But the Lord knows everything about everything. And if we follow his wisdom, it's always reliable. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Yeah, we don't have to stumble in the darkness. See, that's the problem with everybody doing what's right in your own eyes. We're going to go off on every single tangent in the world, and we're going to get ourselves into all kind of pain and all kind of heartache. And if we just would have followed God's instructions, not only would he have guided us along the best pathway for our lives, but he would have blessed us and saved us all that pain. There's a life application for you and me. God will speak to me if I will listen. Instead of me, write your name in there. God will speak to John if John will listen. God will speak to Tom if Tom will listen. God will speak to Carol if Carol will listen. The only question is, who's listening? Jesus said the sheep, speaking of shepherds, he said the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He's gathered his own flock, and after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. In that same passage, Jesus said, And I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. They follow me. Sheep are led by the shepherd, not herded like cattle. When we grew up watching westerns, it was like, Yeah, get along, yeah. That's not the way... God doesn't drive sheep. He calls sheep to follow. He doesn't hurt us. He calls us. The key is we need to listen. So you know why Samuel was a hero? Wasn't a hero because he had a bath towel. It was a hero because he listened when Hophni and Phinehas wouldn't. And so God spoke to him. God will speak to you and me too. If we read his word and we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, I guarantee you he'll show you something every time. Brings to point four. Samuel was a righteous hero because he obeyed what God told him to do. 
a righteous person in an unrighteous time. Don't have to be faster than a speeding bullet, but we do need to obey. There's a conversation that we're jumping into here from 1 Samuel 15, where Samuel's an older man now. He's been serving the Lord faithfully for decades. And a king has been appointed to rule over the Israelites. The first king of the Israelites was a man by the name of Saul. And Saul would obey God partially when it suited him. He would disobey him when it didn't. In this particular circumstance, God has given him a direct order to uh, avenge a great atrocity that happened at the hands of the Amalekites years, centuries earlier. And Saul was supposed to get revenge on them for the Lord. The Lord, he was going to be the Lord's instrument. He was supposed to avenge this. And he was not supposed to take any plunder in the battle. But here's what happened. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for plunder and do what, the Lord, do what was evil in the Lord's sight? There were all these sheep and cattle there after Saul came back with his soldiers. But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, who was the king of this nation that was to be punished. But I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops, well, they're the ones who brought back the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the plunder. But we're going to sacrifice it all to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than, the offering, than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is just as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he's rejected you as king. I mean, Samuel understood something very rightly. If we don't know what to do, we need to pray. And when we pray, and we keep praying, like Jesus said, God will answer, and we need to listen. Once we listen, we need to obey. There are sometimes I don't know what to do, and the right thing to do is just stay and pray until I get direction. There's sometimes I have clear direction, and then I need to obey. And I don't need to pray for any more direction. I need to pray for backbone. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Because sometimes I need to go apologize, and I don't want to do that. Sometimes I'm going to need to go and confront someone, and I really don't want to do that. Sometimes I need to step out in faith, and I'm scared to death. Sometimes I need to give up something that's been very precious to me, but somebody else needs it more than I do, and the Lord's asking me to give it up, and I know it, and I ain't going to do it. Does everybody understand what we're talking about here? And Samuel was telling him, how could you get this so wrong, Saul? Where did you think that partial obedience, well, I mean, I know I wasn't supposed to do that. The only reason you bring the king back is, in those days when you brought back a conquered king, you'd put a hook through his nose and lead him around behind your horse and show that you were stronger than he was. This wasn't about Saul. It was about God who was rescuing them. And Saul made it about himself. And Samuel said, you think you can disobey and then use the plunder which you weren't supposed to take to make a bigger sacrifice which will make you look really generous? And you think that's what God wants? A big show? Life application. This is Jesus again. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Jesus said if we obey him, we love him. He said, you know what? If you obey me and you love me and you prove you love me that way, then I'll reveal more of myself to you. Again, why did Samuel hear when nobody else heard? Because Samuel was listening. 
Why would God reveal more and more of himself to Samuel? Because Samuel obeyed what he already heard. Why is God going to entrust more to me if I won't be faithful with what I already have? God, give me instructions about this. Well, have you done the instructions? Have you carried out the instructions I've given you already? No. I just want to skip those because I don't want to do those. Can you tell me about the next problem, though? No. Trust me. I love you. Again, if you've been far from God, I hope you're getting great encouragement out of this today. As a pastor, can I, can I beg you to trust the Lord? And if he's telling you to do something and you're certain it's the right thing to do, your friends have told you it's the right thing to do, you know it's the right thing to do, stop praying for direction. Stop praying for backbone. God, give me the strength to do it. Quit putting it off. God has wonderful blessings in store for us if we will just obey. Point five. When Saul became king, before he became king, it was a radical shift. They'd come into the promised land. God was their leader. He sent judges to remind them of that and to protect them from enemies at certain times. But God himself was to be their king. Well, when Samuel got old, his sons weren't like him and they weren't trustworthy. And so the people met him one day. All the leaders of Israel came to him and they said, Look, Samuel, you're getting old. Your sons aren't like you, so give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. And Samuel was very displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Because they didn't say, hey, would you pray that God, your sons aren't like you, would you pray that God will raise up somebody else? That's not what they prayed. They prayed, give us a king like all the other nations have. So Samuel went to the Lord and asked for guidance. Went and prayed. And then he was going to listen so he could obey. Here's what happened. The Lord said, do everything, they, do everything they say to you. The Lord replied, for it's me they're rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they've been continually, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. But the people refused to, li- refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king. I mean, he had warned them that kings would come in and they would demand the best of their crops and they'd levy heavy taxes and they'd send their sons to war and all these things. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like all the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. Now again, was it wrong for them to want a leader? No, but notice God's not in the equation anywhere. It wasn't we want someone like you who will lead us, who will do God's will, who will, listen, who will pray and listen to God so we can obey him. We just want a king like everybody else. We believe there's a political solution to all of our problems, like all the other nations figure it out. And that's what we want. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us, lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord replied, do as they say. Give him a king. That's how Saul got in there. Here's a life application. God does not want us to be like everybody else. He wants us to be his people who bring our problems to him, who listen to what he says and obey him even when other people aren't. Peter reminded his readers of this, 1 Peter 2, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. We're only temporary residents here. 
I mean, even if you have a long life in this world, it's what, 60, 70, 80 years? Maybe 90 or 100, rarely? Well, we're eternal beings. We can live forever in heaven. Well, why would we adopt all the values of this world? Remember when Jesus told his disciples to pray, not only to call God Father, but here's the next line in the Lord's Prayer. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That last point there was Samuel was a righteous hero because he pledges allegiance to God. Man, allegiance. Apostasy, allegiance. Where are you getting the dictionary out this week, John? Yeah, I am. Allegiance means loyalty. We are here, and it's good to pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. I'm proud to do so. But our first allegiance is to God because our souls belong to him. If you agree with that statement, would you say amen? We must never forget that. So here's the deal. What kind of hero do I want to be? I mean, I could be a pretend hero and get out my fan and my beach towel and do make-believe. Or I could say, hey, I may not be faster than a speeding bullet or able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. But I can pray to the one who is stronger than any problem I'll ever face. I can listen to him because he cares for me. And if I obey him, he'll reveal even more of himself to me. Shamael, Samuel, God hears. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that we will bring our problems to you. I pray that if somebody's been far away from you today or they've been through terrible hurt or frustration, they don't know where to turn. Lord, I pray that today you will have reminded them that you love each one of us and you do hear. I thank you that Hannah cried out to you. I thank you that even in a corrupt time when everybody else was just doing what was right in their own eyes, she sought you. And I thank you that that little boy who grew up listening to you, he sought you too. And he listened. And he obeyed. Oh God, I pray that we will be like Samuel. If there is a big problem that you are facing now in your life, a problem, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a financial concern, maybe it's a health issue, maybe someone you love is going off to college. Whatever the issue, would you say, Lord, I need your help. Please hear my prayer. Lord, we pray also that you would speak to us from your word each and every day. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Oh, God, may that be our attitude. May that be our practice. No, Father... When you show us what to do, we pray that you'll give us backbone. Sometimes we need direction. Other times we just need courage. And I thank you that Samuel would confront a king. He'd confront a priest. He'd confront whoever because he was just obedient to what you called him to do. Let us be like him. Today, Lord, we thank you that you're listening because you're our Father in heaven. 
And we want your kingdom to come, and we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are your children. Show us what part we have to play in all of that. We know you hear us because we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who told us we could ask for anything in his name. Amen. Today, uh, we have a closing song.